Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you still on Twitter? I'm still on Twitter. Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I'm Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast again, because we just recorded. Okay, so we're going to get right into it. Um, You know, basically, a lot of this is going to center around... uh, Ohio State, it's going to settle around the college football playoff because all of this stuff kind of fits together, okay? Um, So the first thing I'm going to read is a tweet. I'm not going to mention his name because I'm kind of talking shit about him a little bit. But what he said was, the Big Ten is changing its COVID-19 protocols to let players return from a positive test sooner. And yet another rule change that is designed to help Ohio State win a national championship. A good response, I thought, by Corey at Scarlet Great CT. He said, it's like people are seriously pissed the Big Ten stopped putting OSU at a ridiculous disadvantage. Yeah. That, to me. Absolutely. Great tweet, <laughs> by the way. Fantastic. Way to go, Corey. Phenomenal tweet. Why? Because, you know, like trying to come up with an analogy would basically be like, if, if, you're, if you're in a, a fight, okay, and they just they tie one hand behind your back and you're fighting and you're doing the best. And then suddenly for the second half of the fight or the end of the fight, whatever, they untie your hand and you start wailing on the guy. And it's like, look at it. They untied his hand and now he's beating the shit out of him. It's like his hand should have never been tied That's behind right. his back to begin there, with. There should have never been a 21-day quarantine. They should have never waited till October 24th to start the season. They should have never switched from the 10-game schedule to the 8-game schedule. I mean, how? yeah, how many times do they need to totally hamstring Ohio State's attempts at going to the playoff and winning a national championship? Okay, let me keep going, 100%. Um, this is from uh, Hawk Guy Matt. He put out a, a, a poll, um, Ohio State's success really doesn't affect the rest of the Big Ten. With that in mind, are you rooting for them against Clemson? I 100% voted yes. Uh, 60% of other people, I would you know, I would assume it's kind of a mix of fans, also voted yes. Um, okay, first of all, Ohio State's success most definitely looks down either well or not so well on the Big Ten. So I don't agree with the first part to begin with. But I'm trying to just fold both of these tweets and polls and everything into one, which is this. It's not Ohio State's fault that they're in this position. Like, was there a little bit of Rona that went through their team? Yes. How is it, though, that the SEC played all but two of their games? Because they didn't have these ridiculous restrictions like the Big Ten has. 21 days dropped down to 17, okay? Good. They did it. It it should have never been that bad to begin with. And another thing I keep hearing. Okay. um, uh, uh, Florida coach. Jeez, I'm having a brain fire. Uh, Uh, Mullen. Dan Mullen. Jeez. Okay. Last week after after they lost to LSU. Okay. The shoe, the infamous shoe game. Shoe gate. He he went off and said, well, you know, we're playing all these consecutive games and conference games, whereas some... Uh, teams don't have to play every week and blah, blah, blah. Dabo Sweeney, his AP poll. Did you see that? He he voted Ohio State 11. 11 in the country. Okay. So obviously these coaches are being brats. I got to say though, what is a coach's number one job as a coach? Whatever it takes to help his team out. Absolutely. So 
I don't necessarily blame those guys. I do not. I, no. I mean, but here's something that is another disadvantage to Ohio State is, okay, they only played uh, six games, right? But they, they don't have as much time to gel as Thank these you. other teams. Thank you. I mean, they you don't beat have me to the punch. That was literally where I was going to say. They don't. Next. Need, they simply don't have the reps, and they don't get the experience from their depth guys. Like maybe, maybe, maybe in a you know typical season, Ohio State plays Northwestern just like this in the middle of the year. Northwestern comes out with the exact same game plan, and Ryan Day figures out in the middle of the third quarter, just like this, like well, maybe I'll just run Trey Sermon, and he runs for four hundred. You know, okay. It, so. If that happens in the middle of the year, nobody thinks anything no. of it because Ohio State, well, they fell asleep this week, but they still won by almost two touchdowns. They figured something out. Maybe Ohio State figures something out that day where it's like, you know, uh, we should maybe learn lean on the rushing sure. attack a little bit more here. Maybe Ohio State is a more well-rounded team by the time they get through a 10, 11, 12-game schedule, just like teams in the SEC or other parts of the country have had a chance to do that. Ohio State is definitely at a disadvantage with that. And I would also say that I feel like I trust Ohio State's defense a lot more now than I did earlier in the year. So, you know, who knows what they could be like with a few more games of seasoning. 100%. Um, so, I don't know. In the end, this rounds into... The college football playoff stuff. Okay. Yep. Before we get too far into the actual matchups, and I mean, we're not going to go deep into that, but a, we, we, we're we still in the who's getting screwed in the Big Ten out of this. The Indiana Hoosiers 100% got screwed. And, and hold on. Before we go any further, this, people might think I'm a hypocrite because I didn't want them to change the the six-game rule because it was, it was going to screw Indiana, right, for the championship. But as it turns out, they knew that Indiana couldn't play. Correct. So they wanted Ohio State. Yep. So I don't, I'm cool with that. But the 17 day rule doesn't hurt anybody. Changing that rule, I mean, the only one person that hurts is Kevin Warren, right? Correct. I mean, every the kids don't want to sit out 21 days. Nope. The coaches don't want them to sit out 21 days. The kids' days. parents Their don't. parents don't want them to nope. sit out 21 days. The fans don't want them to sit out 21 days. So there's no loser there. Correct. Whereas changing the, the six game thing could have potentially really screwed Indiana, but it didn't. Continue. Bingo. Great point. Um, Indiana at six and one, not the body of work you could have hoped that they wound up with. Um, You know, they could have played nine games. They could be sitting at eight and one, right? I mean, and and there probably would be a different sentiment towards the Hoosiers if they had two more wins. I don't know. I certainly, you would think would help them. I think they would still lack the quote unquote quality win in that mix for how the the regular schedule was um, uh, played out because I don't think, you know, beating Purdue would have been that big of a boost for him. I can't remember the other team that they didn't play. With that being said, okay, I know I'm biased, but I'll ask you, how does a three-loss Iowa State team get in ahead of the Hoosiers? I mean, I just don't know how any of the three-loss teams can be ahead of (laughs) Indiana right now. Three losses. Three of them. So is, but is Florida? If, if Iowa State loses their bowl game, they finish eight and four. Does that seem like a team that should be ranked in the top ten right now? And help me here. They lost to Louisiana. They lost to Oklahoma. And who am I missing? Um, it's a. It was a bad. It was like TCU, I think, or something like that. Okay. It wasn't a great team. <laughs> okay. Um, point being is they lost a good one to Oklahoma, a bad one to a middling Big Twelve team. Louisiana is good. good it's team. a good yeah. team. Good team. They beat them by 17. 
15 points at home. And, and, and Iowa State was at home. And if you're a good Power 5 team, you shouldn't lose by 17 points to a G5 team. I'm sorry. That's that's a no, rule. No matter that, how— I tell you what, you, you shouldn't do that and then still be ranked in the top 10 no, at I, the end of the year. What is going on with the love affair with Matt Campbell in the Iowa State Cyclones this year? I mean, I like Matt Campbell. I like the Iowa State Cyclones, but yeah, I think they're overrated. I do not like Man Campbell, and I do like do not like the Iowa State Cyclones, and I still think they're extremely overrated. It's, but hey, even but more so way, to the point. But even more so to the point that Florida has three losses. They're ranked in front of Indiana. The, like all of these teams, and, and it's. I thought there's another one too, isn't there? Yeah. Is it Georgia? How many does Georgia? George, have? Georgia's up there. Georgia's got two losses. Two yeah. losses. Okay. Right. I thought there was another three. Maybe. But I mean, maybe again, it was Indiana. So we are like. There's no animosity between Iowa and Indiana fans. That's another thing that was thrown out on on Twitter. Gary Barta is the head of the college football playoff uh, committee. He's just a mouthpiece. He yeah, goes out there right. and and like you might as well just like program it into a robot and just let the robot say that. I mean, it's the same stuff. If they want to say eye test, they say eye test. They want to say lack of quality. Oh, and they, they change it every week. Every, it's like, every week. Every. Yeah. I mean, you could just wake them up. He gets body com- of work. Yeah, eye test just completely changes. Quality win. Um, but in the end, like Indiana got hurt by, not by Indiana, but by the situation they were put in. I'm going to read a text from my brother. Okay. Uh, this is not Doug, the, uh, Carthaginian. Okay. This is, this is the other, uh, uh, secret brother. What did we decide he was? I don't know. Oh, it was something <laughs> that yeah, he did. Shoot. He, he yeah. didn't want to be uh, no. Mediterranean. He wanted to be. I think he just wanted to be Darren the American. Was that what it was? That, that, that is what it was. Darren the American. All right, this is what Darren American had to say in our group text. I thought it was perfect. While I think it's not fair to the kids from Indiana and Northwestern, if if since neither one of them gets a New Year's Six bowl game, the Big Ten only needs to look at the mirror to figure out why. If not for the ACC, SEC, and Big 12, I'm not even sure the Big Ten would have played football this year. They tried to bully everybody else into having the same opinion as them. This is the chickens coming home to roost. He nailed it. Darren the American nailed it. I mean, we have nobody to blame but the Big Ten, right? And it's Kevin Warren and the president. And the president and, and chancellor. How that yeah. went down. But this is the shit that happens when you not only make bad decisions, then double down and fix things too late. This is what happens. There's ramifications. And I kind of wonder to a certain degree if that didn't play into the uh, the thought process with the college football playoff committee yeah. where they just sat there and said, you know, we're letting your Big Ten champion in, yeah. only playing six games. You're going to miss a payday because of this stupid shit you pulled. So Boy, deal with it. That's probably... That's probably. I, I don't even case. know. If that's a deep conspiracy theory. There. No, that's probably about right. Yeah. I mean, look, there. You do have to. You do have to give them demerits for not playing as many games, right? You Me, can't meaning Ohio State or no, just just the Big Ten teams in general. It's okay. it's hard to 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 compare a seven, team that played seven games to a team that played eleven. It, it, that's not an easy thing. As much as I don't like the committee, that's not an easy thing for them to have to. That's compare. true. I never. You know, I never thought about it from the committee's point of view. That's true. That's a good point. I can't I wor- believe I'm standing by the committee right now. But. I know. I mean, but what we're trying to do is call it how we see it. I mean, we're a we're a Big Ten football-specific podcast, but we, I'd like to consider both of us honest people. 
And I don't know how you can honestly sit here and look at this and not say that it's a gigantic screw up from step one. Oh, by the conference. No, no doubt. I mean, we brought this on ourselves or, you know, Kevin and, and the, the pres, presidents and chancellors brought this on themselves. But here's what I feel bad for is Indiana. You got to feel their fans probably feel like they're always getting screwed. And, and the one time, the one year where they finally get it all together and put a great team on the field, they still get screwed. And there have been some uh, strong words by Fred Glass, Fred the ex AD. Because <laughs> there's a guy that still you know bleeds Hoosier. He doesn't have any direct ties. He can kind of just say what he wanted to say. He basically intimated that it was like bigger... Uh, you know, things bigger than just uh, what more, you typically see on TV, evil empires that more work. More conspiracy theory type stuff. Where basically were saying... Us they, against the world. And basically saying they don't want... They don't want us to be good. Because if Indiana's good and they get hot and they keep getting recruits, that's just going to make the conference that much tougher and blah, blah, blah. Yep. We, we want Michigan and Penn State and Ohio State and, you know, those type of teams to be at the top. Probably he was just venting a Maybe little bit. Maybe blowing off a little steam there. But I don't blame him. It's it's not completely off base either. Uh, but yes, I hear you there. And the thing is, is I think if Indiana could have played a regular schedule, I still think they would have been that good. I, I this was a good team, a very good team, excellent defense. Sad that that Penix is out, but you know weapons on offense too. Yep. they they put together a damn good team this year. So um, with once the uh, uh, chips kind of fall. Uh, fell by the end of the day on Saturday. It got to be pretty obvious to me on what the the four teams were going to be. Now I started. I did start getting a little bit of doubt at some point because I mean Alabama won, Clemson two. There was absolutely no debate for yep. that whatsoever. I knew Ohio State would get in. I, I was extremely convinced of that. Now the jockeying that happened after that is it was possible that Ohio State could have stayed at four. Sure. And they could have slid Texas A&M into third. Why would they do that? Because they didn't want to do a rematch right away of Texas A&M playing Alabama. So they would just slide sure. them up. Okay. That didn't happen. The one that I predicted, which isn't a great prediction. I think almost everybody saw it was Bama one, Notre Dame four. So that is the, the uh, playoff game that I believe is first up that you're going to see. Alabama opened up as high as a three-touchdown favorite Oof. in some spots. That is the highest spread that we've had so far in the college football I saw, playoff. I saw something on Twitter. It was hilarious. I think it was a guy filming his wife, who is a Notre Dame fan, watching the unveiling of the fourth team. And she's like, no, no, no. no. Like they go, Notre Dame. She's like, oh, no, no. She just did not. If they were going to play Alabama, she wanted no part of it. I understand. I mean, she probably still has scars from 2012. Yeah, yeah, that was BCS days when they just got absolutely boat raced. Um, this is a, you know, this is a pretty good Notre Dame team. I mean, obviously, um, you don't win that many games and beat Clemson earlier in the year if you're not pretty good. Um, but as of right now, I wouldn't confidently take the points and the Irish right now. No, I feel really confident about Bama. <laughs> Minus the points. Uh, Then our next matchup, which obviously is more germane to this specific podcast, Clemson 2, Ohio State 3. The rematch. The rematch after the the bad blood and the bad taste in the mouth that Ohio State fans maybe have ever felt in their entire life after that college football playoff game. I mean, a lot of 
politics, a lot of junk being thrown Ohio State, Ohio State's players, Ohio State fans way that they don't deserve. I think we talked about that. With that being said, this is the best you could have hoped for, probably. Absolutely. And I just hope, if nothing else, there's two and a half horrific calls that go against Clemson to alter the game, even if Clemson ends up winning it, just so they can know what it feels like. I mean, to for them to really know what it feels like, they would have to have two or three altering game uh, calls, and they lose the game. I guess, but like, yeah. just put if nothing else, put a scare into him. Oh my gosh, can you believe we almost lost this to the refs? Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. Um, this is a seven-point spread, so unfortunately, I think Clemson is rounding in to a Clemson-looking yeah. football team. Uh, they kind of look like it right now, but uh, obviously, we're going to break that down much, much more. But that is our college football playoff uh, matchups right now. Okay, let's move on to a little bit of housekeeping. Actually, a lot of housekeeping here. First of all, Wisconsin quarterback Jack Cohn has entered the transfer portal. So he's going to transfer somewhere and play again next year. We thought that maybe he was going to the Senior Bowl and just moving on to the NFL. We had talked about that a few weeks ago. No, it looks like he wants to play again next year. I'm just, I, I'm still surprised they didn't put him back. In. Now, now I'm surprised. Yeah, they didn't because to me, Jack Cohn that we saw last year, 2,725 yards, 18 touchdowns, five interceptions last year. He's a better quarterback than Graham Mertz. It's fair. That guy's a better quarterback. I mean, he got injured. We don't know how healthy he is. Maybe he wasn't quite 100 percent. But the Jack Cohn from last year is better than Graham Mertz right now. And this is where being a head coach is a lot tougher than it looks. It's way harder than when you play your video game. Okay. Maybe Paul Christ even knows that Cohen is a better quarterback right now. Yeah. But you got to think about the future. I know. And I think that's what he's doing. And if you're not real confident that Jack Cohn will stick around, okay, then you put Jack Cohn in. He leaves. Graham Mertz is pissed because yeah. you put him in knowing that he was going to take off. Now you potentially have two quarterbacks that could that could take off. That's that's not crazy, right? In this day and no, age, that's a good point. I mean, it's so easy to just jump in that transfer portal. Maybe I mean, Paul Chris probably felt like he, this was the hand he had to play. Yeah, you may now, be right there. One of the uh, rumors is on his landing spot is Rutgers. He's from the East Coast. I've seen a lot of mm. Rutgers fans. Curious, hopeful. Maybe he's got a phone line into Aaron Crookshank. Like, how's it going over well, there? I, how you like? How you like chopping? I don't remember who it was, but it was it was a Big Ten guy of some sort. I don't remember if it, specific to a team. I'm not. I don't remember, but intimated that you may see Jack Cohn land in the Big Ten again. And but my first thought was, well, Bielema's at Illinois right now. He doesn't exactly have the kind of quarterbacks he normally wants it for his offense so could it be illinois and then i can think of another big 10 team even a coach that had took a quarterback from a big 10 west team and had pretty good success with them oh michigan yeah yeah jake rudock long time ago so basically maybe regressing back to his his initial offense that he used prior to a couple years ago in the big 10 that had a lot more success than he's been having. Interesting. Hmm. Boy. That'll be fun to watch Spicy, play out. Man. That'll be fun to watch play out. Okay. A few. Well, let, let, there's a, a handful of teams. Nebraska, Minnesota, Penn State all have opted out of bowl games. So we've got five teams slated for bowl games right now. We'll get into that. Uh, Northwestern, strangely, has this sudden exodus 
of players from their program. One is Isaiah Bowser running back. That surprised me. That surprised me too. I mean, I mean, I know they got some young running backs on the team. Maybe Bowser kind of sees the writing on the wall. Like they, these are probably the, the, the future rushers of the team, but he just seems like such a Northwestern guy. I know. I mean, Porter started to look good towards the end of the year, but to me, I feel like Drake Anderson and Isaiah Bowser are still their one and two. Maybe it Evan Hull feel- is good, but I, right. I just feel like those are your guys. So I'm, that was strange to me. Kyrick McGowan is strange to that me. That was even crazier. Defensive end Andrew Leota led the team in sacks this year and is transferring. And those are only three. There was at least a couple more. more. Yeah. So I think it was five, maybe even six players that suddenly put their names into the transfer portal. And then you hear, well, of course, we know Mike Hankwitz. It's his last season as defensive coordinator. Jim Phillips, the AD, has moved on to to run the ACC, and then you Mike start, Bajakian, new offensive coordinator, new OC. I don't know. Maybe people weren't getting along with Bajakian, even though I thought he did a really good job this year. But then, per Football Scoop, multiple NFL teams want to interview Pat Fitzgerald. So there's a lot of things going on here, and I'm sure if I'm a Northwestern fan. And I know I'm listening to an Illinois and Iowa fan talk about this topic. Maybe we are grasping hard because there's certain things that we want to see. Sure, but there's a lot of smoke there, there man. There is a lot of smoke there. I don't I don't think we're that crazy to bring it up. I don't and think so. I don't think that's tinfoil hat type of stuff. Like, I think I'd be a little bit nervous if I was a Northwestern fan. And it's just crazy because... They, they, they had a rebound year, you oh know, like it sure seemed like they were having fun every time I yeah. saw them on the field this year. So, and, and not to mention it also, it's just something that doesn't really happen ever at Northwestern. You just rarely see guys transferring out of the program. I mean, they were, they recruit such good high character guys that they usually stay in the program for four to five years. So it's, it's just unusual. So I'm going to be watching for something to happen the next couple of weeks here. Listen, I, I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to keep paying attention. But as I I tweeted and texted and DM'd a lot of people, I think it's roughly 3.4 billion years from now or something like that. The sun will go super, or it will go turn red giant. Yes. It will right. expand. And it will engulf the earth, I believe, right? And Pat Fitzgerald will still be coaching yes. at Northwestern. Absolutely. And until still I winning any... Big Ten West title. <laughs> and people will be doubting him. So until I see anything different, that's what I think. I do too. Okay, now I'm not going to talk about all the seniors that are quote-unquote declaring for the NFL draft because I think that's ridiculous. Like, you're just, you're you're not taking the NCAA up on another year. But I am going to talk about this one. Minnesota cornerback Coney Durr is opting in, and it will be his sixth year in Minneapolis per the Pioneer Press. So we're going to, can we go super senior? He's a super He's senior. He's a super senior. Yeah. And so I'm just curious how many of these we're going to see, because I don't think it'll be a ton. I don't either. Like, I don't, can, can you put a percentage on, like, uh, guys that are, that have played their senior year? Okay. Now, are we seeing any senior or names that we know type of deal? No, I would say any senior, but not like a, I mean, not a shoe in NFL guy, right? Okay. Because okay. if you can get make it to the NFL, why would you come You're back? Gone. That makes yeah. no sense. But right. guys that, that aren't a shoe in okay. to get drafted, That's great. what percentage are going to come back? 20%. That's what I was, I was exactly thinking 20%. Think it, and at one point, I thought it was going to be a lot higher. It just doesn't seem to be. I was 
already had a couple guys that like you thought were a perfect example of somebody that would take advantage of yep. the super senior year. Uh, Neiman, the, the linebacker, sure. has had a nice career, but yeah. he really rounded into a heck of a linebacker this year. And you thought to yourself, well, come back for another year, put more tape together yeah. for the NFL. He's gone. So once I start seeing guys like that, I just don't feel like there's gonna be a ton of people are going to come back. And maybe he's taking a shot at the NFL and saying, look, if I'm not going to make it this year, I'm not going to make it next. That's that's how I feel like a lot of these guys are going to look at this. Like maybe he doesn't have enough tape, but I don't know. I, I just I come back to Brandon Peters like he's got enough tape out there. Either he's an NFL guy or he's not. Right. Yeah, that's fair. You know, another thing, too, is you, I, I don't think a lot of people take into account that these are kids and, and they feel like at 22, especially if you get to 23, it's weird that all of a sudden you look at those 18 and 19 year olds and they look like kids yeah. to you. And you're just like, I am ready to move on well, with my life. And that's and, the other thing. They have degrees. Most of these guys by now, at some point, do you really want to wake up at 6am and, and hit the weight room and then go watch film and go you, to practice? You do, you do if you're getting paid millions of dollars to do it. Right. But, but when you're just doing it for a degree that you've already accomplished, it's a good question. Some guys don't want to go to grad school. Yeah. I didn't want to go to grad school. Now, here's one that I think could, uh, uh, this is another example from Illinois, Isaiah Gay, defensive end, okay? He was, he's had this tumultuous career. He's played every, every year, all four years since his true freshman year. He just turned 21 years old. He's played four years of football, but he, he is, he's never really come around and rounded into form, truly. Like, he's, he shows bursts, right? And then he goes in the doghouse and doesn't play for three weeks. That's a guy that I could see coming back because he's a talented guy. He probably fits more in a three, four scheme as an outside rush linebacker than a defensive end. But, and if Bielema plays a three, four, like he's kind of been indicating he wants to, I could see him really thriving and maybe making it to the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I really feel like, because another thing that's going to be interesting to see is like how long these guys have to make up their minds. So can they go get a, a draft grade and find yeah. out, yes, you are projected to be a fourth or fifth round. They're like, okay, I'm gone. Or they get a draft grade that says undrafted free agent. At that point, if the coaches will have you back and you think you were on the cusp, maybe a quarterback that just didn't develop until the end of the year, maybe a linebacker that did finally get, you know, the playing time that we we're talking about at that point, is that the motivation I don't know. We're just going to wait and see. And you 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 mentioned something that's big right there. If the team wants you to come back. Cuz nobody's obligating them to give nobody's no team I don't think is obligated to know. offer another year of scholarship. They, I don't know that. I don't I don't think so. I've It would now, seem I, crazy to me that the Big 10 or NCA, I don't know, would just say if he wants to come back, you have to take him. Boy, that's really telling a coach have, and a program. So I have not seen this in writing yeah, anywhere. And either. it's something I've been wondering, but I'm assuming they are not obligated to give them another year of scholarship because okay. four years is all the Big Ten obligates the institutions to give the player. Like, they don't have to give him the fifth year. Like, okay. if a guy is in his fifth year and you don't think he's going to help the team, you just say, Time to you go. can come back, but you're going to pay for school. Okay. So we'll I, say, I expect that's what ha what is happening I mean, but if it's a great player you think is going to help you, then yeah, you're going to give him a scholarship, right? Yes, but I don't know. 
we've never been here before. It's going to be it's right. going to be fun to watch this play out. Uncharted waters. So let's move on here. The Rose Bowl will not be played this year. Yeah. The game will be played. A game will be played. It's not going to be played in Pasadena. It's going to be played at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. The management committee of the college football playoff has moved the game so that players' families can attend the game. So we talked about it in the last podcast, or maybe it was two podcasts ago. It had to happen. I mean, it's we've seen more and more football games now played with fans in the stands. These are playoff games. We need that energy there. It's the right call. And do we know, is it not just the, the friends and family of the coaches and players? Is it, is it additional attendance my guess is My guess is it'll be additional attendance. I would think. But we'll see. So but the fact of the matter is, even if you're just doing it for the parents or they get a four-ticket allotment, right. that's enough right there. I think so. Yeah. So California didn't want to play ball? No soup for you. Yeah. Moving it to Texas. So the, this isn't the only time, though, that the Rose Bowl has not been played in Pasadena. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. North Carolina? Yeah, it was played in Durham, North Carolina, and yeah. here's why. 1942 Rose Bowl. So think about it. January 1st, 1942. What had just happened in 1941? Pearl Harbor. Bombing Pearl Harbor. So they were afraid to have anything on the left coast. So they moved the game because Duke was playing in the game, Duke and Oregon State. So they moved it because Oregon State's on the, the west coast too. They moved it to Durham, North Carolina. Duke was 9-0, and heavy favorite in the game. Oregon State was 7-2 and coming in the game. Big upset. Oregon State wins 20-16. to So this is not you know, unprecedented. Wow. Yeah. So, I was surprised to hear that when I saw that. So thanks for read, bringing that up. Yeah. I'd read that before, but I guess that had escaped my mind that they had actually played one, not in Pasadena before. Okay. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. All right. So now we got to talk about the big news out of Champaign. Uh, uh-huh. Okay. So I'm going to give you the time. I'm proud of you for going to, I mean, this is one of the last topics we're going to have on this podcast. So good yeah. job. I'm, that, that is heck of patience out of you. Well, I mean, we're probably going to talk about it for a while. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. So uh, everyone that doesn't want to hear about Bielema getting hired at Illinois, just turn off the podcast. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to give you my timeline of this weekend, right? So I'm watching the MACTION on Friday night. Buffalo played Ball State in the MAC championship game. And it kind of just, everything was indicating that Lance Leipold, the Buffalo coach, was the, the leader. Like So was I. And, and, Thought it was almost like a done deal. And I don't know this, but, the, the, you know, you hear all this these rumors and you boil it down. It sounded like it was the ball was in his court, and he was deciding whether he wanted to take the Illinois job or not. I think. I'm not sure of that. And that he was going to give Josh Whitman, the AD at Illinois, his answer after the game. And so the game goes on. He loses to Ball State. And I'm, you know, watching him being interviewed and thinking, well, this is our next coach. It sounds like I go to bed. Wake up. I hear it. I slept in a little bit. I hear text from you. It's like I was awake and then I hear my phone buzzing at 8.15. And I didn't look at it right away and then waited like a half hour and looked at my phone and it said, Bielema to Illinois. I'm like, huh, interesting. And I told myself, I'm not going to get angry with whoever they hire. I'm just going to. You know, I really wanted a guy that was a winner now. That's why I wanted Leipold, okay? I, I did want Leipold. And we knew that Bielema was probably the other guy, right? So I was like, okay. I, I felt a little underwhelmed at that moment. Okay. And then I'm just sitting there. Didn't have the TV on or nothing. And I start seeing all these tweets. Oh, Illini fans, turn on game day. Bielema's on game day. It was 9.15 in the morning. 
It took him 15 minutes to get onto game day. I'm like, whoa, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah. Okay, fast forward to about 11 a.m. Uh, he tweets out, Brett Bielema tweets out, just got off a Zoom call with the president of the Illinois High School Football Coaches Association, Mark Grounds from Jacksonville, Illinois. Had a great conversation with him and with a bunch of other coaches. I'm thinking, he's already recruiting. He's been on the job for three hours here. Cut to the Penn State game. He drove from New York to State College to go to the Illini game to get interviewed. And by the way, it is so strange seeing him wear orange and blue. Yeah. Is it not? It's 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 because when he went from Wisconsin to Arkansas, yeah, it was it's red still reddish. Or, yeah, yeah. Reddish, different yeah. red, but yeah. yeah. It's just, it, I was seeing him there in that orange and blue cap and the Illini coat. And then, you know, he gets he gets on the TV and starts talking and... I guess it had just been long enough that I kind of forgot about his personality. He's just a really engaging guy. He is. Right? Definitely. I mean, he's a he's a big guy with a big personality, he, right? He definitely is. So he was kind of winning me. I'm like, you know what? This is what we need right now. We need a guy that's going to command attention. So as the day went on, I kind of did an, a 180. I went from being underwhelmed to saying, you know what? I think we might have got the right guy. From a Iowa fan's point of view, uh, obviously he's got strong Iowa ties. Uh, also from Wisconsin people's point of view, a couple of people I talked, DM'd with, we think as these two fan bases that probably know him as good as anybody does, we don't like the hire. Yeah. We think he'll do a pretty good job. Um, one of my Wisconsin buddies just said, you know, People make fun of of this hire and him. He's going to do better than those people think. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Um, one thing that you know I've heard about a lot is that he's number one. He's never built a program. Okay. And number yeah. and number two. It's fair. Uh, uh, how bad things were at Arkansas. Okay. So I'm going to throw. Well, I'm, I mean, he, but let me get to there. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. I don't think either one of them are true. Okay. okay? Number one. Yes, he took over a well-oiled machine from from uh, sure. from Barry Alvarez. Okay, I think he made it better. He he added oil to that machine. Correct. Yeah, I mean, right out of the gate, he goes twelve and one. Okay, now there was a dip. Went nine and four, seven and six. Do you know how many coaches never come back? Never from come that? back. Yep. The next year, he goes ten and three, eleven and two, eleven and three. I'm not saying that's a rebuild. What I'm saying is when you have the ability as a coach to have enough confidence in yourself and what you're doing, that or or I don't know, maybe he did little tweaks after the seven and six season mm-hmm. to get back to that eleven and two, that is a sign of good coaching. Okay. It is. Keep going. Yep. Now, uh finished up eight and five. Um, at Wisconsin, not a horrible year, but he took off after that. Okay, and he did win the Big Tech championship technically. Yes. that last year. Yeah, because he he backed into it because Ohio State was ineligible, Penn State was ineligible, so he went as the third place and beat Nebraska. Right. Then he goes to Arkansas. Crazy move to me at the time. Um, Seemed crazy. I think Brett. I've got a little bit of experience with Brett, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll get into that in a little bit. But I think Brett is the type that. He's gonna. He's not gonna be bashful at trying to swing for the fences for something. And he no, thought, that's true. What happens if I'm such a great coach that I can go to Arkansas in the SEC West and make some noise? Okay. Yeah. The point I'm trying to get to is it's a tall order to go to Arkansas 
sure. in the SEC I mean, West about and it. make some noise. It's essentially the Illinois of the SEC West, is it not? I think it's pretty fair because, actually, if you look at Arkansas's history, it's probably a better football history than oh, a lot of people understand. No, it is, and it's a better football history than Illinois has. But I'm talking about what last 20 years, right. let's say. It's okay. basically the Illinois of the big the, the SEC West. And what you're getting at is that they've been pretty bad. They've been pretty bad. And, and he got there yeah. and went three and nine. Okay. With a scheme change, by the way. Yes. Huge scheme change from Petrino, more of a finesse to him, more of power. So that's not something that happens overnight. So, so three and nine is actually not that bad of a season. Then he went seven and six, eight and five, and seven and six. Okay. Then four and eight. And because it's the SEC, you have one bad year, you're gone. <laughs> and, right? and the other thing is. But, that- but I just want to say, like, Arkansas, they had snippets of success with Darren McFadden and some stuff that they did, but they always, they never played any defense then. They they always had disappointing years. They typically just look like a shitty football team. I remember it was either in his second or third year, and I was watching it, and I'm like, that is looking like Wisconsin, you know? Yeah. I was, I, I, his, his second, third year, I was starting to get impressed by him. He the team looked better, especially that third year. By the way, correct the eight and five year. They had near misses. Yes, that was very close to being a ten, yes. maybe even eleven win team I know. that year. They were very close okay. to that. So I don't even really give anybody credit when they say he could never rebuild anything in no. Arkansas. And look at Arkansas since then. Like we've talked about before, this hasn't been a good football program. I mean, the, the, going from him to Chad Morris was an absolute disaster. And don't forget, he took over that whole Petrino, John L. Smith disaster. We we know and love John L. Smith. I, I mean, right. what, what do you think the misery index was <laughs> that year at Arkansas? So anyways, um, and then the other thing, too, uh, you know, as far as talking about fans, and eventually this will get to the fans, but if you really want to talk about pains in the butt, it's for the coaches because Illinois is now going to have a football coach that will recruit the state of Illinois. Illinois, yeah, which they're they're named after that state, <laughs> so it's kind of appropriate. Um, so he's from Prophetstown, which is a little bit east of the the Quad Cities, which is right on the border of Illinois and Iowa. And one of the things I did like in in all of his interviews that he's he's just makes so many references to Illinois. It's like he's embracing it. He said like. We're going to recruit from Quincy to Freeport and from Peoria to, I don't remember what else, what other town he said, some downstate town. But like he's really embracing not just Illinois, but the downstate aspect of Illinois where all those guys go to Iowa. Every one of those downstate Illinois guys goes to Iowa. And because of that, he's throwing a shot to Iowa. Yeah. Right now. I mean, I would say not across the board, but as far as old linemen and couple linebackers, maybe a couple safeties. Iowa goes and gets who they want in Illinois. Yeah, oh yeah. They might get four or five guys out of Illinois, but they wind up, it seems like for the most part, being very good players. Yep. What happens if Iowa only gets one of those guys? That is a huge difference. And look, okay, let's say he just falls on his face and he never recruits anybody. It, I, I, I'm just happy to have someone try and I think a lot of this is going to come down to building relationships and mending fences with high school coaches all around the state from what okay. I can. So I mentioned this president of the High School Coaches Association, Illinois, Mark Grounds is his name. He was asked on Twitter. So he he even he tweeted out, hey, just got off the phone with their off the Zoom call with with the new 
coach of University of Illinois. And someone tweeted at him, uh, how many times, just curious, did you hear from Lovey Smith the five years he was here? He goes, I've never talked to Lovey Smith. Uh, zero. My answer is zero. So that pains me to hear because that means the recruiting it already is looking better. He's already recruiting the state harder than Lovey Smith did in five years. He's already accomplished more. Yeah. And by the way, he said his 10 assistants, every one of them is going to have a section of the state of Illinois to recruit. Okay. They, he, they were going to have 11 people recruiting the state of Illinois. Wow. Wow. Insane. That, that just makes me so happy. And can you build like, I don't know, Big Ten championship teams by just recruiting the state of Illinois? No. But... You okay. can build a pretty solid team. I mean, you can get a lot of core guys, old, yes. li old linemen, linebackers, Absolutely. stuff like that. Then for the D-line and skill position, gee, I don't know. Maybe you go with a guy that recruited in the SEC country for That's right. five years and That's that, right. down in that footprint. I'm telling you, man, like this is a scary hire. I think it's pretty good. I mean, the, like I said, the more I hear from him, the more I like it. He did mentioned multiple times, not just once. He said, I'm running a 3-4. We're going to run a 3-4. He backpedaled on that today. He, he did. He did. He actually said, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to hire the right guy, and we'll, we'll talk about what scheme. So who knows what the hell they're running. But you got to expect they're going to look different offensively. Yes, they, they, it's going to be built around big, beefy offensive line uh, play which, action. Which they do not have right now. Yeah. I mean, they are a more of a speed offensive line. That's what they've been recruiting, more finesse. So it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be ugly the first year. Okay. I really think it's going to be ugly offensively and if they've switched to 3-4 defense, I I was looking at the personnel and yeah, okay, maybe we can do that. We can put this guy there, that guy there. But that's probably going to be a little ugly too. There's going to be a learning process both sides of the ball and roster turnover both sides of the ball. So this is not going to happen overnight. And then another learning process is going to be Coach Bielma with Juice or Juice with Bielma because something's got to have to get figured out there a little bit. Yeah, and he's, he, I think he mentioned something about that, like talking about his flexibility on offense. I, I, who knows? Yeah. I mean, we, we know Bielma. He likes to talk, you yeah. know? Yeah. You kind of take a lot of the stuff he says with a grain of salt. So we'll, we'll see. I, I'm not sure that we'll find out much until spring practice anyway. Okay. All right. So, uh, anyways, that's our our Buellma talk for the football stuff. As far as the background, um, so I'm only going to be able to share so much <laughs> because I would have to get high levels of permission to tell hardly any of these stories. But uh, as we've talked ad nauseum about on this podcast, uh, both my older brother and I played football in Iowa, uh, or as I like to say, I practiced football in Iowa, but Doug actually played it, and uh, uh, one of his roommates for, I believe, three years at Iowa was Brett Bielema. It was Brett Bielema. Oh, yeah. So we've known Brett. You know, I've known Brett since I was 10 years old. Uh, so it's, I mean, he was just one of my brother's buddies all those years. One story pops into my head right now of Doug is listening to this. He's probably tensing up his butt cheeks. I'm not going to tell that story. There's much other stories. Uh, the nickname for Brett all during college was Beetle. Beetle, okay. Which is just a run on his last name, Beetlema. So I'm going to refer to your coach as Beetle as I think long I'm as we're doing go, this podcast. I'm probably just going to go with Bert. Bert? I like Bert. Bert is a very popular nickname for him on Do Twitter. Do we know how we got that name I originally? I think it's just Bert, Brett, 
making fun of them to a certain degree. Because I mean, happened. I've Bill King on the Bill King show, WNSR radio in Nashville has been calling him Bert as long as I can remember. And I've been listening to Bill for gosh, it's almost, what is it? Almost 15 years now. Gotcha. Yeah. So my guess is it just, you know, kind of came about naturally. Somebody ran with it. Um, he does have the Iowa tattoo on his leg. He does. With a, and I'm almost positive he got the Hawkeye tattoo early. And then when Iowa went to the Rose Bowl, he had the Rose uh, inserted in the beak of the Tiger Hawk, meaning, right. you know, we're going to the Rose Bowl. Speaking of the Rose Bowl, um, I was 12 years old when uh, I was in the Rose Bowl. Uh, went to the Rose Bowl parade with my parents, of course, and... Arnie and Marilyn Bielma. Bielma. No which kidding. Which were pretty good friends with my parents. Extremely nice people. They were awesome. Um, uh, he was a farmer. Yes. Just like Hog my farmer. dad. Yeah. So they got my dad and him yeah. got along great. That was part of, I think, the friendship with with Doug and Brett. Uh, the one thing uh, uh, Arnie did was, was smoke. Okay. okay. He's a smoker. I knew my dad didn't like smoking. Okay. So I asked my dad for his pocket knife. Being a farmer, he had a pocket knife. Sure. Okay. And back then you could fly with pocket knives. So it wasn't that big a deal. There's probably some of this stuff where city people are listening. They're like, what the hell is talking? Anyways. So I took my, my, my dad's pocket knife and you know, I was the type of the kid that would always do kind of stupid shit like that too. So it wasn't that surprising. And pocket knives back then used to have little scissors on yeah. them. Oh yeah. So whenever Arnie would put his cigarette to the side and he was just watching the parade, I snuck behind him and I snipped off the cigarette. (laughs) And then he would go up to his mouth. (laughs) And I think I got three of them snipped off before he realized it was me or maybe he caught me on the third one or something like that. And he was like, you little shit. And he, he chased me around. His wife was dying laughing. I think maybe even to a certain degree, my parents were laughing and probably more embarrassed than anything. Um, and then, um, so he yeah, um, was a grad assistant at Iowa. Yep. So the entire time I was at Iowa, uh, Beetle, you know, I didn't call him Beetle when sure. he was at Iowa. Coach Bielma was the linebacker coach at Iowa. Something to point out is when uh, uh, Ferentz took over for Fry, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe there is only one coach that Kirk Ferentz kept from the Hayden Fry staff. No kidding. And it was Brett Bielma. Wow, that's encouraging. Dude, he was a good coach. Yeah. He was a really good coach. Um, He challenged his linebackers a lot. He he wasn't afraid to get in his linebackers' face. So he was the linebackers' coach. He was the linebackers' coach. So there wasn't linebackers that were in love with Coach Bielma 24-7, but they played hard for him, and I think pretty much for the most part played very well. That's encouraging. That was my – that was my – and then another thing too is what's crazy is I always knew Beetle as this huge dude. Yeah. You know, he's D-lineman at Iowa. And then, you know, by the time Doug was done playing, I mean, I didn't see him for years. The next time I saw him was, I believe, when I was getting recruited by Iowa – he had dropped so much weight. Really? Oh my gosh he he looked like he played defensive back. He looked like he looked like a tall safety. No kidding. By the time I got to him, and he was that thin and and like tight. Yeah, <laughs> the entire time we were at Iowa. He's now don't get me wrong. He was still like a big dude, right? Big frame, but he was lean and very lean and mean. I I think I I saw it was a two thousand. 
Iowa game versus Iowa versus Indiana, okay. actually. And Iowa's defense came up with a big play. He came out in the middle of the field to do like a jumping high five. And you look at him, he had glasses, skinny as can be. I sent that picture to somebody we both know. I don't want to embarrass them. And I said, do you know who this is? He had no clue. It's Brett Bielma because he it's funny you say that because one of he had his presser today, his intro presser, which is it was weird, you know, with the Rona. It's just him standing up there by himself and a bunch of Zoom questions. So one of the Zoom questions, I wish I could remember who who asked it, but I, I don't said, you know, you had some some struggles when you were down at Arkansas. How have you grown since then, and he goes, "Well, I've physically grown since then." <laughs> and he's he's never going to shy away from that. Like you're gonna you're gonna get the the honesty, and and it's going to be wrapped in self deprecation to a certain degree. Make he's just not going to shy away from oh, that. Oh man, so yeah. I I laughed out loud at that one. I thought that was funny. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, after there is a change up in the staff, at some point, uh, uh, Brett Bielma went with uh, Bobby Elliott. Okay, they spent time at, at, I believe it was K-State together. So he spent time uh, under Elliott, definitely at Iowa. I believe it was at K-State. I think he learned a lot from Bobby Elliott. Side note, I don't think uh, Bobby Diaco has ever been the same once Bobby Elliott wasn't around him Mm. anymore. Uh, Then he moved on to Wisconsin. And it was pretty quick in that process at Wisconsin where people started thinking he was getting groomed to take to replace Barry Alvarez. I don't think you get that, you know, role or quickly get that role without being a pretty darn good coach. So that is as glowing of terms as I can give to Brett Bielma. The one caveat is we got to get that Brett Bielma. Okay. Some of those things happened in his 30s and 40s. You know, almost everything I just said happened in his 30s and 40s. Not that he's old. 51 is not old for a coach. He's only 50 right now. Okay, he's almost 51. Not old for a coach, a head coach by any means. But it's got to be that focused on and off the field, Brett Bielma. If Illinois gets that, it's going to be good things for the the Illini. I'll tell you, like I said, I was... When I saw the news, I was underwhelmed. But the more and more I learned about him, the more I liked this. And you know what? Almost 100% agreement amongst the Illini Nation. Um, IlliniInquire.com, you know, they had the Jeremy Warner wrote his, you know, new coach article and posted it on IlliniInquire.com. And within, what was it? It was within... 24 hours, there was 27 pages of, of people interacting about the hire and talking about the hire and almost nothing negative. Really? I mean, very, very little. There, I, I, may, I saw a couple, I did see a couple where they were just not on board. But to be honest, I think it was probably, they just didn't, like me, they just didn't know the full story. They just hadn't gone deep okay. enough yet. And they uh, hadn't I seen- had I had one of my first... Uh, DMs with Tracy Wilson, and oh, I'm yeah. like, dude, you got to chill out. This is Wait, how like, does Tracy feel about? He it? hated it at first. Oh, he I, did. I think he's come around. Okay. I think he's been. I think the the essence of Bielma has washed up on him a little bit. And now he's singing more of a positive tune. Let me let me ask you this. This could be a question for you, Tracy Wilson, any Illini fan. Okay, 
Do you think the recruiting is going to be better under Bielma? There's no doubt it's going to be better. Do you think the team will just look better? I, I do. I, That's I do. it. Stop yep. right there. Yep. You'll probably be a better football and player. And here's the thing. The, w- 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 before he was hired, when we were talking about potential candidates, one of the things I said is, you're never going to play Iowa and Wisconsin football and beat Iowa-Wisconsin at their own game. But we really don't need to do that. We just need. We should be thinking about beating Purdue, Nebraska, Minnesota. I'm not even going to mention the team up north. But you do that. You beat one or two teams from your crossover games. You win your non-con. You're in. You're in a bowl game. We just need to be. We need to be thinking about going to bowl games. Forget about winning the West. That's not even what we're thinking about right now. You want to go to bowl games. If we do that, then we can start thinking bigger. But if he starts out with the easy to manage schedule where consistently he's getting three teams that a good football team will beat. There's three wins right there. Right. Then if we stick to the nine game schedule, if they go five and four in conference, that's eight and four seasons right there. Then maybe every now and then you get a nine and three season because you upset a team or two. I mean, I, I, the bar is low. It's not, it is pretty low. And I'm not acting like going nine and three in Illinois. Just, ah, just roll the hats out there and go nine and three. I'm just saying, it's possible. It's po- of course it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been basically letting you know Iowa come into the state, Wisconsin come into the state, now Minnesota come. Just take all the players. It, you know that didn't happen when I was a kid. When I was a kid, those good players stayed at Illinois and they went to Illinois. And not just when you were a kid. I mean, it was like that. Deep in, you know, past the 90s. Yeah. Into the aughts I mean, a little bit. Into the aughts a little bit. I yeah. mean, the 2001 team that won the Big Ten, there was a lot of Illinois yeah. players on that yeah. team. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, last 20 years, 15 to 20 years, they've just been letting everyone raid the state. Okay. All right, man. You got anything else? No. But, the, you know, here, here's the thing it's the honeymoon period. We're all happy right now. So, who knows what I'm going to feel like? <laughs> But I think you got to try to remember this a little bit when probably it's a struggling football team at times next year with just a huge transition. Oh, no doubt. And, and here's the other thing is I do feel like they got turned down by a couple coaches. I think they got turned down by fickle and I think they got turned down by Leipold. I'm, I'm not positive. That's just me putting the pieces together so if this is your third choice, that's a pretty damn good third choice. I agree. And you you were never getting fickle, but you had to ask, right? Yeah, or Bob Stoops or uh, uh, Urban Meyer. Oh, or, yeah, Urban Meyer. I, I was damn sure we were going to get Urban I mean, that's Meyer. another thing, too. If anybody is, you know, any Illinois fan doesn't like it, you really got to start asking the question, like, who, well, that's, who is who is realistically correct. going to be better? Correct. Tough and, to find. And to be honest with you, I don't know you can re- realistically do better than... Then Brett Bielema. It's definitely right up there. And here's the other thing. He made it quite obvious. He desperately wanted to be a head coach again in college. And he's a Big Ten guy. I mean, he wants this job. He he genuinely wanted to be at Illinois. And he knows in order to signify that, you have to jump in headfirst. And so far, it looks like that's what he's been doing. I tell you, nobody's going to try harder. Yep. Guy, he, he, he's got... I don't know about nobody, but some won't. I believe he will be one of them that will. If he fails, it won't be for lack of effort. Okay. All right. I'm Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Bicker. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.